It's January the 9th, 2013. This is 508, a show about Worcester. And we're here at Crompton Collective with Amy Chase. Hi, Amy. How are you doing? Hi. <laughs> Chris Robarge of the ACLU and Private Citizen also. How are you, sir? I'm great. How are you? I'm okay. And also Brendan Mellican. How's it going, man? I'm, it's going good. And I'm Michael Benedetti. And we are here at this place. Amy, what is this? Where, what, this is in... This is on Green Street? Yes, 138 Green in the Crompton Place building. And it's kind of just like, I mean, it's like gigantic, and it's just got like a lot of awesome stuff. stuff, good stuff. Yeah. We have 8,000 square feet of antiques and handmade items by local artists. So this is like, this is like art stuff, artisanal stuff, as well as like whatever this is. Number 17, multi-tin, oh man, night. I mean, I always get this confused, but I know you're Some sort of skates. Street, but is, so is the entrance actually on the back side of the building? The main, our main entrance. Is main entrance right. back, okay. I always come in the back, and I can never tell uh, what you're supposed to do. That's a secret entrance. So this is right off of Kelly Square. Yes. How long has this been down here? Um, the building's been here for hundreds of years, but we've only been here four months. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's really tremendous. The first time I came down here, I was like, I, I'm always the last to know about anything in Worcester. Um, yeah, it's just like so much stuff. And so this is like people, people, artists and antique dealers and whatever, like will have like a shelf or a nook or something yeah, like that. Yeah, they rent space. Um, it's a, it's a juried antique mall. So okay. everybody's a little bit edgy, a little bit, uh, creative, mm -hmm. not your average antique mall. So like you have this duck or whatever it is, bird. It's awesome, right? A lot of antique malls. They would be like, this duck is too much. Yeah, we don't want that duck. So this that's duck why he's awesome. here. $28. That's actually Antique good. skates. Somebody looking at the, uh, the, the oval. The oval. I don't even know what. So are those two blade skates or you attach a, a, a skate in there? You put your skate on top. Oh. They're probably for little kids. Oh, it's like a training skate. Training skate, yeah. Oh my goodness. Save some money. Don't pay those high prices down there. Come buy an antique skate. <laughs> well, here's what we got to talk about this week, guys, as we wander around this place. First of all, the Palladium was saved. The guy, the guy who used to manage shows at the Palladium, bought the Palladium, and they said that they're going to keep it open as long as as long as the metalheads are there, as long as the metalheads come out. What do you guys? Any comment on this? I think it's fantastic. I think it's uh, much better than a parking lot. Yes, it is. Anything's better than a parking lot. And the Juggalos need a place to go. Yeah, I'm and we need a place, and I think we need a place to interact with the Juggalos. I mean, you know, if it wasn't for the Palladium and uh, and Moynas Tavern, I my interactions with Juggalos would be zero, and my life would be less complete for it. It's an important thing, the Palladium. I'm really happy that it was saved. Um, we're going to talk about panhandling this week. We're not going to talk about this till the end of the show. We got a bunch of media stuff we're going to talk about this week. Front Street was opened up. Were you Were you in town for the opening of Front Street? I was. Do you, were, did you go to that I ceremony? didn't go to the ceremony, uh, but I did drive down it about five times in the first 24 hours. Did you so. go down to the ceremony? I missed the ceremony, but I did the same thing. Just I did the loop. <laughs> I was uh, out of town for New Year's, but last night I went out to dinner on Shrewsbury Street, uh -huh. and I came, coming back down, hit that light, and all the signs are still like the old signs pointing in the wrong, like <clears> right and left or whatnot, and it says, screw it, and just went through it. That was the craziest thing that I've ever gone through. Like, I totally thought the whole, like, opening up was overblown and it uh -huh. made a big, big to do about nothing that probably shouldn't have happened in the first place. But it's awesome driving through there. It's just this, like, big cavernous, and then you just pop out in downtown, right? And it's, it's this nice sort of, like, you, you think you know the city, and then you're in this little tunnel that throws you off. A lot of fun. I tell you, Go I would take a ride. I walked down, I walked down in on January the 1st. I got back, uh, I, I got the Greyhound back into town, and I, you know, I was walking home. 
And it, it, of course, the fastest way to get anywhere is now through that street. And I was amazed. I was excited to walk down the street. I was also amazed that it really felt exactly like walking down any other street in downtown Worcester to me, at least in that section. I was surprised at how undisorienting it was and how much it seemed to like make sense. It was good. Amy, are your registers still open? Because I'm interested while we're walking around to start picking things up mm -hmm. to take home with me. You can, what are you looking at? What are you look looking at our rings. These rings are awesome. Not for myself. It really wouldn't fit with the work attire. Yeah, rings, like cameras, a bunch of old shoes, a bunch of purses, some stuff with ostrich feathers. Or not ostrich feathers, we call them peacock feathers. <laughs> some clothes. Um, all right, so let's. I want to look at this media stuff real quick. Um, Chris, do you want to come over here and sit, sit down next to me on this couch? Sure. And we'll look at a newspaper with me. Here's what we got this week, media-wise. And we're putting off talking about this panhandling to the end because otherwise we're going to talk about nothing but panhandling for like 20 minutes straight. Here's what we got. Pulse wants to watch list. Do you know about this list, man? I do know about the list. You've never been on the list? I have never been on the list. She's been on the list. He's been on the list. I've been on the list. It's been a long tradition for us every year to look at this list in the Pulse magazine. Paul Giorgio, what do we have to do to get Chris Robards on that list? Send us an email. Pieandcoffee at gmail.com is the email address if you want to complain about the show or help us get Chris on the 2014 Ones to Watch list. Um, every year we talk about this list. It's, it's the one time of the year that we really talk about the Pulse magazine because I feel like otherwise the Pulse is not aimed at, for example, myself. But this list has traditionally had a lot of people from this show on this list. Not this year. This year, maybe we should be interviewing all the people on the list. Or maybe this is just a sign that us and the Pulse are heading in different directions. Whatever it is. We got Che Anderson, works with underprivileged children. We have Brad McNamara and John Friedman, co-founder of Freight Farms. These are these guys who have a thing where they, uh, you uh, basically like uh, greenhouses inside of shipping containers. Greenhouse is maybe the wrong word. Alex Madrigal, volunteer. Nicholas Carbone, Fitchburg City Councilor. So these are not, a lot of these are not Worcester people. Jeff Gracia, who has created a successful video game. Jay Parker Eldridge and Amanda Casal, co-founders of the Flyleaf Theater in Berlin. Sam James, musician, television star. Eric Dittleman, who is a professional mind reader. Um, Victoria Hall, who's the project manager for economic and cultural development for the city of Worcester, Kathleen Wanat, Iron Woman, Patrick Carroll, a chef, Rom Clampert, founder of Revolution Functional Fitness Training, John Dooley, the founder of Greendale Physical Therapy, and I think that that's the end of the list. So as is our tradition, these are the people to watch, Chris. Apparently those are the people. Congratulations, all of those people. I saw Mike Berbiglia right after that. I know who he is, but he's not on the list. He's so. not on the list. He's probably on the ones to watch those a long time ago. I don't know. Another thing I want to talk about media-wise is Worcester Magazine. I tell you, I've had my mixed feelings about Worcester Magazine in ever since I moved to Worcester. <laughs> I've had mixed feelings about Worcester Magazine. I, especially the last few editors, I feel like things change. Things, some things improve. Some things get worse. The fact that they picked a guy who's the owner of the Tornadoes, the much-beleaguered owner of the much-beleaguered Tornadoes, as the person of the year, I think is a genius. It's brilliant, you know? Jose Canseco was wrong. <laughs> Jose Canseco doesn't live in Worcester, man. I mean, this is like, because this is like a serious thing. Do you have any opinion about this? Um, I had my, my gut reaction, which is as far as I guess I got, was uh, was exactly the opposite. I, I, I couldn't believe... I couldn't believe that they picked someone who... 
uh, sunk a baseball team in Worcester. But but I'm interested to hear uh, the the alternative uh, opinion. I think that the opinion is, is that I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of mindless boostering in the city of Worcester. Let me say this: like we've talked about, people talk about this all the time. Like the amazing number of slogans that the city has, you know, like the, the you know the city itself after being burned down multiple times by the natives, like changing its name from Quinsigamond to War Castle, perhaps in an attempt to seem more intimidating so it wouldn't get burned down again. Like empty marketing is like. Is like the origin of the city of Worcester, right? And I feel like I don't know. I, I feel like I just like this idea of them just like do, taking a risk. Let me say this: taking a risk at the very least by saying, "Okay, I, I would give them somebody, taking a risk in, in that decision." We're gonna pick somebody who like did has done like a big a big you know a big yeah has taken a risk and it didn't work out and maybe it will work out going forward. But at this point, it's kind of a fiasco. But nonetheless, I don't know. Made a lot of things happen this year that a lot of people talked about. I, I don't know that. Uh, I, I guess you know. In, uh, I don't know that uh, I would so much uh, credit him for taking a risk as uh, being an, an out of towner who uh, bled a bunch of uh, local companies and uh, for their products and then didn't pay them, which I guess was part of the problem that I had with the decision. But I, I can see the I can see the gist of where you're going with that. All right. Well, I'm glad to hear your I'm glad to hear your strong your strong disagreement with me on this. This is good. <laughs> Brendan, do you have any you have any opinion one way or the other on this? Other than Jose Canseco being robbed? Other than Jose Canseco was robbed. No, I mean, look, it's you know they picked their person of the year. He made a big splash. It doesn't necessarily person of the year historically does not need to be like a positive, right? So it's I mean however you view it, it is what it is. Was like Hitler Times magazine's I think person they did of the year at one point in time, didn't they? I I feel like they probably did. Boy, yeah. I shouldn't have even asked that question because I'm not ready to answer it. Yeah. Um, we got a new happiness pony out this month. There's actually a couple of Worcester-based things I just want to touch on just because people need to know, or people might want to know. One is that there's, a, there's an old closed coal mine in the city of Worcester. Do you ever see this coal mine? I have not seen this coal mine, but I will now. Well, there's some, we, have a map, we have a map in here also. You can also kind of Google this, but you just go get this happiness pony. At what local. part of the city, Mike? This is by, uh, well, here's the map. So this is like Lake Quinsigamond here, mm -hmm. and this is like Green Hill Park kind of coming towards Lake Quinsigamond, and it's like right here. So you can kind of go out. It's it's on the it's on the uh, east side trail in Worcester, which is a trail that goes, I guess, between Shrewsbury Street roughly and uh, Lake Quinsigamond. But um, and I mean, we have this photo and we have this map because you're just gonna kind of look at this. And when you get there, you might look at it and say, okay, oh yeah, this could be a, been an old coal mine. But otherwise, it's sort of hard to tell. There's not like concrete or anything there. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, we were we were talking about this uh, before. Um, I used to live in a place that had a lot of old iron mines, and mm. uh, they were really cool to explore, but uh, they were not a whole lot of uh, fun or very interesting to try to photograph. You kind of don't really know that they're there until you're like on top of them or inside of them. But the lack uh, of coal miners walking around makes it a little bit harder to identify. Yeah, that's that's true. There's no there's no rails. There's none of those sweet mine cars here. It's just whatever it is. Uh, another piece of information people probably need to know about know about is the fact that the city hall christmas tree has a door here's an unnamed person entering the door of the city hall christmas tree so you could just go you could just go in there if you're downtown you know you go ice skating you get some lunch you want to have a picnic why not inside the city hall christmas tree they sell refreshments in there right inside so, the tree yeah i haven't been inside the tree i've looked inside it. i, I didn't that, see i heard that's where they put move the snack shack for the skating was inside <laughs> the tree so if you're downtown oh. looking for something to eat just pop right in and they'll be happy to serve you they really should probably run something out of this it would right be very elvish yeah that would be pretty awesome it would be yeah. oh man oh man can you imagine any kid who's like oh let's go rent some ice skates Wait, from the, the ice skate place is in a Christmas tree? Are you kidding me? And the guy's the guy's dressed as Santa Claus. He's running the skates. Yeah. You tell me you can't charge a dollar more for skates? Because would pay five dollars more for skates for that. That's incredible. 
Um, yeah, boy, what else is going on? Um, I'm just, boy, this panhandling. I so much want to talk about panhandling, and we're still going to put it off until until almost the end of the show. Oh, we also have this email list. We have this email list out now. Um, basically, the idea is to try to have like a nice or a nice wrap up of dry city government news twice a week uh, for people who people who feel that they want to have some duty to follow this stuff, but aren't necessarily crazy enough to actually follow it. That this this is a thing you could subscribe to, and you could get some emails every week that would just give you like information about city meetings that had happened, city meetings that are coming up. You look at the subject lines and say, oh, I'm really concerned about this or that coming in. Oh, I had no idea they're going to build a nuclear reactor in Worcester. Maybe I should go to that meeting. And if you go to wrcstr.com, you can subscribe to that list. Just Spark. to clarify, there's not a nuclear reactor being built in Worcester. That was an example of something that could come up that you might want to be aware of. But let me tell you, if, if is the telegramming exactly going to tell you about that? They're going to tell you like the day before. Are they going to, yeah. are they going to tell you when the zoning board meeting is coming up? They didn't tell us there was a coal mine in the middle of the city. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, actually, they did. But did they? They, they, they had a little article about it last year. No. It didn't talk about the fact that Worcester is rich in peat, though. <laughs> Albert Southwick <laughs> doesn't want us to know that it's rich in peat. Only happiness pony talks so about the our... The locals will start moving uh, in on the peat industry. Speaking of peat, here's eat. What else? Do you want, do you, do you want, let's walk around and just look at yeah. this stuff for a second here. Amy, lead the way. What should we be looking at? Oh man, more Christmas stuff back in here. Like roller skates. Where? That's for oval tooth. <laughs> Summer oval. Uh, oval okay. Have you guys been skating back there? Uh, no, I still haven't been. You have? I went opening night. Ah oh, man, I went opening night and they ran out of skates. Yeah, that's a problem. Skate. Um, they seem to have like two pairs of all of the sizes of skates that anyone would wear. Man. Uh, I have been skating now twice, but I've also waited uh, two hours to get skates both times, um, which I guess means I should just buy my own skates. But. There's some antique ones here. <laughs> I like this. I like this idea of the antique skates, the old school stuff. These are really... Wow, what the heck is this? It's like Christmas ornaments. I don't know. More bow tie stuff. There's so much good bow tie stuff in here. There's like a, guys. There's like a sports memorabilia thing back in here. Look at I don't know. I don't know anything about sports. I don't know who any of these people are. Honestly, no Ted Williams. I don't know. Anyway, all this good stuff back in here. Brendan, how are you doing? I'm great, man. Is Thanks there any? Is there? Are there any top? Are there any top stories in your mind in Worcester this week? Uh, for me, it's really the only thing I've been thinking about locally. I think is the uh, panhandling issue, and you asked not to uh, discuss that until uh, you're ready. So I don't know if you're ready. Maybe we can we can just kill the rest of the show. Why don't we just? Why don't I just? I'll just give people a little highlight of this. Is we'd like look at some uh, knickknacks. Um, so the city council decided that they need to do something about panhandling in Worcester. This is the third plan that they've had in recent years. Oh my goodness. What is this? It's a dead cow. This is like a longhorn, a longhorn steer maybe. How much is this? $225. Man. I bet if we were in Texas it would be way cheap, but not out here. <laughs> it's from Hudson, a farm in Hudson. Really? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do they, does, does this farm like have a little side business in selling the skulls of the no, cattle? No, no, they were on his, his barn. Oh, okay. He just had it out of his house. Um, this is, is that where it was put down? Uh, maybe. I guess. Mm. Probably is. Exactly. We don't want to scare people. Oh, I think that makes it at least 10%. No, he died. You know, he just 
just fell. Just just died one day. That's where they probably was mounted somewhere. Despite the bullet holes. <laughs> um, so the city has uh, has its third uh, anti-panhandling plan. And the city council looked at it and they said, okay, we're not gonna just vote on it, we're gonna send it to a committee. So they sent it to a committee which was made up of two other committees of the city council. And they talked about it, yeah. And they talked about it the other day. What, and uh, there are three parts of this, three, three kinds of ordinances in this. One of them is about traffic safety. It's just like, don't run around in traffic, don't play on traffic islands, and that part in my opinion, is pretty reasonable. Stuff you learned when you were five. Well, stuff you learned when you were five. Stuff that's probably already illegal by other ordinances in the city. One part of it is about uh, not harassing people. Oh my goodness, they have like note cards here. This is the worst presentation of panhandling stuff ever. <laughs> oh look, a squirrel. Um, and one part of it is all about not harassing people and not being persistent in panhandling from people and not being threatening and not being creepy. And one part of it is about times and places where panhandling will be illegal. And this is not just talking about panhandling. This is talking about kids trying to raise money for Little League. This is talking about nonprofits. This is actually talking about anybody who needs a quarter or needs a dollar for the bus or whatever or is in a hard time and wants to ask somebody else for help, which is why it's a little bit troubling to have time and place restrictions on this. These time and place restrictions would say you can't ask for money if somebody is walking. Actually, any place of public assembly, which seems like a broad piece of uh, legislation to say you can't ask for money in any place of public assembly, you couldn't ask for money near banks, you couldn't ask for money near bus stops, you couldn't ask for money uh, around dusk at night or around dawn. Um, and so this is just a little bit troubling to people and so uh, a number of people came out and spoke about this at the meeting. There were uh, some business leaders who came out and spoke about how panhandling is negatively impacting uh, People's view of the city. Oh my goodness, this is like the most Christmassy stuff ever. It's in negatively impacting people's view of the city, or it's making it so that people don't want to go to their businesses because there's creepy panhandlers around. Uh, they didn't really speak so much to specific parts of these ordinances that they liked. But there were a number of people who spoke about parts of the ordinances they didn't like, specifically that third class of time and place restrictions. Uh, and the city council had a very considered and compassionate discussion of the first two parts of it, the traffic stuff and the behavior stuff. They also didn't talk about the time and place restrictions, nor did the city's lawyer talk about the time and place restrictions, which is a little frustrating. Just because I don't think it's the end of the world if this stuff gets passed, but it would be interesting to know why they think that those things are important, why why those things probably why those restrictions might actually not just like undermine the sense that like Worcester is a friendly city where you could ask somebody for help, you know. Um, uh, and I, I actually asked a city councilor afterwards. I said, like, what about this third category of stuff? Like, that's I stood up before the meeting and I said I was concerned about it, and I explained why. I didn't think it was the end of the world, but I thought it was probably a bad idea. Why didn't you talk about it? He said, well, it's not in there. And I said, well, let's look at the ordinance. And he pulled a copy of the ordinance out of his pocket. Sure enough, it was in there. And he was very surprised to see that part in there. Um, so I don't know. I'm hoping that the city council, when they, when they discuss it, will talk about these time and place restrictions uh, because the subcommittee, this, the committee didn't talk about them. Boy, that was my rant. I'm not going to say anything else. Chris Robarge. Yes. Your take. Uh, I think it's a, uh, a really bad idea. Let's walk uh, back in here. I think it's a really bad idea for a lot of reasons. Okay. Uh, I think that uh, it's incredibly overreaching, uh, okay. far beyond anything that is reasonable. Okay. Uh, I don't think it's going to be effective at solving any of the actual problems that you know cause people 
to go out and ask for money. And in just the first in, place. just to interrupt you. Sure. Um, whenever I spoke to the city council, I challenged them to say, "Explain to me how this is going to be effective." And to their credit, Connie Luke's and others of them said, in their comments to the audience there, "This really isn't going to do anything." And so why are all you people worried? <laughs> yeah. and, and I thought that, that was sort of an amazing admission that, like, this is a sort of ineffective piece of legislation, but why not pass it? Because, well, you know, so, it mean, would be fun to pass some legislation. I, I mean, I, I, think that there's, I, I think that there's, you know, there's constitutional concerns to that, and then there's just sort of general concerns. But actually, to, to sort of talk about something on the side for a minute to what you were just saying, what seems really interesting with me with council, and I, I've always gone to council a fair amount, but especially now, I'm, I'm, I'm there and I follow what they're doing, and I follow what the committee are doing a lot more than I used to. And what I've noticed is that they, they set out dialogues for us. And because of the ways in which the, the meetings are structured, we never know what the dialogue is going to be beforehand. Okay. So the first time that they talked about, well, the, the most recent time that they talked about this before the committee hearing, the dialogue was something needs to be done and we've got the solution to do it because this other thing didn't work. Right. And so we all went to the meeting prepared to discuss that. And then at the meeting, they throw this new dialogue at us and they say, well, we're not really, you know, what we're doing is almost nothing. Like, what are you, what are all you crazy people so worried about? And then like, that's the new dialogue. Mm -hmm. So everybody gets to present beforehand as citizens and then they tell us all that we're nuts and that, you know, we, you know, there's nothing to be worried about and there's nothing of concern in the ordinance. And then we have to hope that enough people show up at council to, you know, refute that on Tuesday, and then who knows what the new dialogue is. But it seems like they set a dialogue, they let us all say a bunch of stuff, and then they just talk about their dialogue. I tell you, I would have felt like, basically watching that conversation, I would have felt like I was nuts if a city councilor had not literally said afterwards, oh yeah, I hadn't read it. This whole dialogue was based on yeah. a pretend version of what we're putting on. Right. That was nice. I, I tell you, I when I'm talking to Worcester city councilors, it feels to me like a conversation between Franz Kafka and Groucho Marx, and I don't know who is who, and it bothers me. It's always a little bit disorienting. Yeah. No, and I mean, you know, and I've said before, you know, about some of the shenanigans with the police department that, you know, I, I would have, my take has come to be that, you know, the police department with some of the stuff that they do, like, they're not even good at being bad, like, they're bad at being bad. And, like, this was an example to me of the city council just being bad at being bad. Like, they, they haven't read the ordinance, or they have, but they're not talking about those pieces of it, and they don't know how it's going to solve the problem, and they gave a, a different and much more comprehensive plan, like, two months, and it, it just, it doesn't make any, it doesn't make any sense really on any level. Um, but I mean, you know, from a fundamental standpoint, taking a step back from all of those specifics, mm -hmm. you know, the, at the end of the day, you have a constitutional right to stand on a sidewalk and hold a sign. And right. the content of the sign... Not by is, a bus, is, not by a bus stop. Well, apparently not. Not, not at night. Uh, the content of the sign is really irrelevant. And I mean, to me, it's, it's kind of that simple. Um, but on the bad at being bad thing, you had, you know, things like the city solicitor saying in a meeting, basically, you know, being asked, well, would this affect politicians in Newton Square? And him saying, well, no, because if somebody would have to call the police and no one would call the police on that. And then even if I they would. did call the police, oh, but trust me, I will be calling on all sorts of people. Um, but saying, oh, even if the police were called, they would have the discretion to decide whether or not it was really a situation of concern. I mean, they essentially said, we're going to enforce this on scruffy people asking for change and not on... Bill Eddy standing in Newton Square doing a stand-up. I mean, that that's was, 
pretty that, bad at being bad. That's weird to me. And this is actually something that, again, like in complaining about this to people that I've heard from a number of people, which is, well, at the end of the day, this is all about police enforcement, and the police will do a reasonable job of enforcing this. So like, you don't have to worry about the fact that this law is making a ton of stuff illegal that should be, that, that we actually all want to be legal. Um, and I don't like this because I feel like when we have something which involves like civil society and religious expression and civil liberties, I want us to do a good job. I want us to pass a law that is the law that we want, and I want the police to enforce the law that we passed. I don't want us to say, it's too hard for us to pass a law that's an actual law that we want, and so the police have to now be twice as good because they have to like get you know they have to guess what we're going at as well as enforcing it yeah. correctly. This, or, is, this, is, this is too important for that. Right. Come on, people. Or to say, you know, we have laws. By the way, if you, somebody's harassing you, following you into a building, you know, if you say no and somebody's tracking you down the street or touches you or comes up and starts banging on your car, you know, we have laws like disorderly conduct or <laughs> trespassing if you're on property you're not supposed to be on. We have laws on the books to cover these things. Harassment and assault are mentioned plenty of times in the MGL where I right, don't think the right. state needs to overthink them. And, and the problem, if there's a problem... Look at this scale. Chicopee Falls, Massachusetts. That is the single-sided scale of Worcester justice right there. <laughs> <laughs> it has one pan. You it has have two been... wheels, but only one Let's pan. Let's keep walking. There's, there's, there's something there. Go ahead. You were saying um, something important no, about civil liberties. No, I mean, I guess all that I was going to say is that, I mean, what's the problem that we have relating to people that are overly aggressive? Well, maybe the problem is that when you call the police in Worcester and someone's not actively dying, it generally takes an hour for them to come, and whoever's caused the problem is long since gone. Right. That problem is not going to, that may be a problem, but it's not going to be addressed by additional ordinances and additional crimes. Well, okay. So, we will see. This sub, I mean, let me ask you, like, you're not a lawyer, right? I'm not. This, not even close. Sid, don't, don't, don't cities get, like, sued over this exact kind of law all the time? Yes. Um, and this is what I have been trying to convey to the city council uh, at all of their meetings. Uh, cities do pass ordinances like this and have nationwide. Um, and if they are overly broad, um, as this one, in my opinion, most certainly is, um, and ha similar ones and even less broad ones in other places uh, have been challenged in court and they've been struck down. Um, you can't, uh, there's a number of things you can't do and I won't go into the time it would take to right. explain all of them, right. but um, I, I believe from a non-attorney's perspective, I believe looking at the precedent of lots of different cases and how they've been decided, um, that this would be on very shaky legal ground hmm. if they decide to pass And there's it. at least one precedent-setting case in Massachusetts stemming from Cambridge that the SJC, SJC ruled on, I think back in the 80s, mm -hmm. that although it uh, doesn't, doesn't speak to specifically a lot of the concerns in this ordinance, in a very general sense, made it very clear that the uh, Supreme Court ruling that had come prior to that uh, made it clear that, you know, there are certain places along these lines that we just can't go. Um, and, it, you know, based on some of the other state rulings, I know California this year, uh, there was a state ruling covering one of their a city ordinance that looks identical to this ordinance that got struck down and almost laughed out of court yeah. uh, as being far too broad uh, and it's trying to uh, keep people from panhandling. It doesn't look good. I mean, no. it's, it, what's crazy too is that the number of cities and towns that seem to be taking up, look, taking a look at what we're doing as something they should also do as right. opposed to looking at the court precedent that's out there that probably says in a long enough timeline 
this won't last. Right. Yeah, and I mean, the, the case that uh, the, the case in Massachusetts is a case called Benefit versus Cambridge, and it's a case that people should look at if they want to learn a little bit more about this. If any city councilors are watching, it's the one I keep mentioning, um, and I suggest once again that you uh, that you take a look at it. Ask the city solicitor about yes. it at the meeting. Uh, and this, the city solicitor, to, the, to their credit, it is mentioned in the manager's mem memo right before they, you know, then plow right past it and mm -hmm. do things that would violate it. Um, but yeah, it talks about a number of things, including that, uh, you know, that it is, it, that panhandling or begging or soliciting is an element of free speech. And it also talks about, to the point we were making before, that there are existing laws on the books to deal with situations in which peaceful encounters become not peaceful. Um, but I mean, you know, it's it's absolutely true that you know these things have been struck down in many places, and uh, you know, I, I guess the proof is in the pudding there. We've only got about a minute left. That's you know the thing that really bugs me too. And you made some comments about the police and, and and whatnot, but I think ultimately, if you look at where this ordinance came from, it seems to be stemming from a lot of business owners who are frustrated that uh, the presence of panhandlers either on their property or off is bad for business, and that's the thing that seems kind of crass in a way, where we do have ordinances like trespass laws and whatnot that could uh, deal with their needs and their concerns without recreating the wheel. And if they're not taking advantage of those existing ordinances, why would we think that they would right. even take advantage of new ordinances? I, I think that, I, and I know very quickly, I think that one thing that has been very interesting to me, and I know a few other people have pointed it out, um, is how incredibly quiet the police department has been throughout this mm -hmm. entire conversation. They haven't been at any of the meetings. They haven't made any comment in public. They haven't made any comment. And they're very council. capable of figuring out a way to inject their position sure. in something that they on care about. on many other things. Uh, so I, I don't know what it says, but it says something. Well, i tell you what I want to talk about. I want to talk about this amazing case of joy here at Groton Collective. One th it was 136. What was it? Was it 138 Green 138 Street. 138 Green Street. This is a place you could go if you want to look at knickknacks, if you want to argue with people about city politics, <laughs> if you want to, do people ever go on dates here? I don't know. I would totally go on a date here. Maybe I'm just a weirdo. <laughs> I think it's a beautiful place. Amy, Brendan, Chris, thanks for being on the show. Happy, man. This, is, this has been 508. We'll talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.